the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Don't have time to go on SoCal Live today? Leave Scott a voicemail at 213-537-3812. That's 213-537-3812. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Hour 2 of Southern California Live. It's good to be with you today, as it is each and every weekday from 3 to 5. And uh, I always enjoy that. We get to deal with the issues of the day, talk about them as a church family or people, maybe you're listening, you're not a believer, but you're curious or you want something different. We're definitely different than any other talk show you would listen to during your afternoon drive. So it's great to be with you today or your afternoon uh, slogging it out your last part of work or picking up the kids and now the kids are home, whatever you're doing. I'm really glad that you are with me each and every day. You can join our conversation by calling 888-528-528. Two five five seven triple eight five two eight two five five seven. I recommend you put that in your phone in case you've ever thought, ah, I wish I could really call. Just put it in your phone, then you can say, "Hey Siri" or "Hey Alexa" or however you call. Eight 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 five two eight two five five seven. You can also send an email, SoCalLive at kkla dot com. Once in a while, in uh, in church life, there's some interesting controversies that go on, and uh, that are really sort of doctrinal or theological that have less to do with some of the unfortunate scandals that have happened about money or, you know, there's abuse things that happen. People are, are sinners everywhere. And, and uh, sometimes churches don't um, take care of people the way that they should. Um, and that's a shame and it's, it's a tragedy and horrible when that happens. But uh, most of the time, you know, mostly what's happening in your churches around the neighborhood Every church is affected when something like that happens, and it's in the news when a big-time pastor has a moral failure or something. It affects every church, but what everybody should know is that most of the churches that are out there, uh, everything's going fine. You know, they love the Lord. They're working really hard. I was watching this church service the other day, and, uh, you know, I just appreciated it. Sometimes I just check in, what's happening at this church over here? Once in a while, I'll just drive by a church, and I wonder what's happening there. Small church usually... And you know what? There was nothing at all flashy about their church. It was not um, the type of thing you might advertise. They probably didn't have a lot of people, but they sure were having a good time. They just loved the Lord, and it was wonderful. And most churches are like that. Most churches, they're they're not having these major you know, controversies, the type that would hit the news or other things. But sometimes there's things that, that go on. And a few years ago, this is maybe... This might be 20 years ago now, but I've always thought about it because of the way this ended. There was a controversy. There was a, a ministry. It was a weight loss ministry. And, you know, get people in shape. And so you would basically go exercise, and then there'd be a Bible study of some kind. Well, the person who was leading that Bible study for this uh, weight loss ministry wrote in one of the Bible studies that that she doesn't believe in the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Okay, the Trinity is a word that, you know, it describes the personhood of God, that he's three persons and one God. We believe that there is one God, and but he's in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And you see evidence of that all the way from Genesis to Revelation, that this is how God is formed as, as a person, the best that we can understand it. It's a hard concept because we can't understand everything there is to know about God. If we could, we would be God. Okay, so we are in awe about it. 
Anyway, she wrote about this and she said, there is no Trinity. And uh, that's not how it works. And so it created a lot of controversy. Now, the thing is, is that this person was not a theologian. This person was, you know, never, as far as I know, never been to seminary. They had never been ordained or gone through some of the things that people go through and made this statement. And then this person, when challenged by by that from church leaders across the country, when challenged about it, um, what was interesting is that she ultimately said this. It destroyed the ministry, okay? Churches drop the ministry very quickly. Like You can't be teaching things that are just actually anti-Christianity in your Christian church. So she, instead of saying, you know what, I, she could have said, I've learned and I've studied this, and, uh, you know, it turns out here's the reason for the Trinity. There's, there's really good theological reasons why we believe that, really good biblical reasons why that's there. And she didn't do that. She Instead, she said this. She said, you know what? It doesn't really matter if there's a Trinity, because at the end of the day, people don't care about the Trinity. They just want to lose weight. Now, that statement ended her ministry career. But that statement was probably very true about a lot of people who go to church. I mean, wouldn't you say that? That is, it was a, <laughs> it was a, a scary thing uh, that she said that. Um, but I think that there's a whole lot. She said, people, this is the quote exactly. She said, people don't care about this. They don't care about the Trinity. This is going to pass, meaning this controversy about her statements about the Trinity. This is going to pass. What the women want is weight loss. They care about their bodies being a temple and their lives being turned over to the Lord. That's what my ministry is about. Um, no, the Trinity matters. And can I ask you this? I think that what she, her perception of what a lot of people wanted is probably right, though, that maybe we don't care. Do you care? Do you really care about, uh, about the, the basics of our faith? See, there's, there's building blocks to our faith. As Christians, we do not have to rely on the testimony of one person who claims to have had some kind of interaction with God or a holy figure who then created a religion. We don't have to say everything that we believe comes because of um, just one thing that happened that nobody saw, okay, that nobody was a witness to, that nobody understood. Uh, We have history, we have an Old Testament and a New Testament that comes together that we believe is revealed by God, but revealed to 40 different authors over 1,500 years. We have a risen Christ who was seen by people who started Christianity. Christianity is, you know, the basis of our faith, the foundation of our faith is not the Bible. It's an event. It's the resurrection of Christ. The Bible points to that resurrection and tells us the reason why and tells us that this was the plan of God, tells us who we are, why it is that we needed a Savior, who the Savior is, points to him through history in time and space. And then the New Testament is eyewitnesses to a resurrected Christ who told their story, most of whom were martyred. Jesus came up. And you have all these eyewitnesses and all these stories, and you have the scriptures, 40 different authors, 1,500 years And when you go dig in a place where the Bible says something is, um, you find it. And if you don't find it, keep digging. You'll eventually find it. We have a lot of confidence in our faith as far as the, if God is revealing himself to us in this way, 
the evidence says that he is doing that. That's what I believe. So it really matters. And I'm bringing this up because every couple of years, Legionnaires, uh, Legionnaires, which is a ministry, it's R.C. Sproul's ministry, um, and a couple of other groups, they put out something called the State of Theology. And they, they ask church people and Americans, they ask Americans in general what they believe about certain things. And then they ask Christians, evangelical Christians, okay, not just people who go to church, but people who would say, no, I'm, I'm evangelical. All right. Um, Meaning that it's people who believe that Jesus is the only way or that they say that or their churches believe that. Uh, They believe that the scripture is the inspired word of God, that it is inerrant in uh, in its original writings. Okay, those kinds of beliefs. Most of you probably you may not like the word evangelical because it's kind of been bashed around in the culture today. But but that's probably who you are. Okay. not everybody listening probably at Jubilee are. Even if you don't want to say that, that might be who you are, actually, according to, to their definition of it, okay? Well, uh, this is, in fact, this is what their definition is. Evangelicals are defined this way. It's by uh, Legionnaires and Lifeway Research. Uh, people who strongly agree with these statements. The Bible is the highest authority for what I believe. It is very important for me personally to encourage non-Christians to trust Jesus as their Savior, Jesus Christ's death on a cross is the only sacrifice that could remove the penalty of my sin. Only those who trust in Jesus alone as their Savior receive God's free gift of eternal salvation. That basically is what an evangelical is, okay? Um, Now, sometimes people today will say, no, an evangelical is somebody who votes Republican or who's conservative. That really has nothing to do with it. Um, It's those four things that make somebody evangelical, uh, and that's how they conduct the survey, Okay. What would you say people who are evangelical even believe about certain questions? Does God change? Does God ever change? Um, Are we born innocent? Does church membership matter? I think some of these questions might have some some nuance. It's hard to know. You know, sometimes people will answer things differently, not because their belief necessarily is different, but they hear the question differently. All right. And is Jesus the only way? Uh, Is Jesus God? Uh, what would you say? Uh, let me tell you something. Here's here's the question: that Jesus is Jesus God. What do you think? What do you think um, people would say about that? Uh, evangelical Christians, not just Americans. What do you think they would say? In 2020, uh, 30, 2020. By the way, in the survey, if you go look at it, you can find it at the state of theology.com. And we're going to talk about this on later episodes. I kind of want to get into some of these issues in here. Because it matters a lot with a whole lot of what we're talking about in the church, struggles in the church. The, the reason that we have to hem and haw about the, the word evangelical today in the culture, like inside your church, it probably doesn't matter. If you and I are having a personal conversation, we can probably say evangelical and it doesn't bother you. But if, if in, in the world with your non-Christian friends, the people that you have to make disciples of, if you have to take a word like that and try to define it or try to excuse it, then we've done something in the culture to kind of kill it. And that's going on here. But I think internally we can have that conversation. Uh, things have changed. In 2020, only 30% of people, Christians, evangelicals, believe that Jesus was God. The statement is, do you agree or disagree with this statement? Jesus was a great teacher, but he was not God. Uh, 30% agree. That means 70% think that he is God. 
what's changed is it's only 43% now or 43%. Uh, how's this question? Jesus was a great teacher, but he is not God. Okay, so 30% agree he was not God. Now it's 43%. It's, and this is evangelicals. This isn't just like Americans in general. 43% of evangelical Christians who call themselves that agree that Jesus was a great teacher, but he was not God, in spite of the fact that the scriptures very clearly show that Jesus was God. Did you know that? And that the earliest Christians believed that Jesus was God? You can't go through scripture or history and somehow disbelieve that that's what the earliest Christians thought. There are people who say that today, but they haven't read their Bibles. It is an incredible, incredible thing. How are you doing with that? The reason this, these things matter is because our faith falls apart if they're not true. Here's a statement for you. The Bible, like all sacred writings, contains helpful accounts of ancient myths, but is not literally true. I suppose you have to figure out what literally means. You know, the Bible is literally true where it means to be literal. You know, that's true. You know, Jesus' parables aren't meant to be literally true. They are meant to be parables, okay? There is parts of Scripture that that is poetry that is speaking things that are true, but it also has a lot of deep meaning like poetry does, right? You, there are interpretations that you have, but most of the Bible is written as history or that's written of this, this event happened and therefore that came to pass and these things happened. It's written as, hey, this happened. These are real towns. These are real places. These are real people. These things happened. These conversations occurred. Do you believe those things are true? Do you believe that the claims made are true? In 2016, only 17% thought the Bible was evangelicals. Okay, we're talking about Christians. 17%, 2018, 23%. And I went down to 15% in 2020. That's what I was getting at with 2020. 2020, we suddenly believe in God again. <laughs> we, You know, God uses a crisis, doesn't he, to uh, remind us that he's around. But back to 2022, you know, most people have their jobs back or you've got some new job or things are at 26%, the highest ever. Don't think the Bible is true. Christians, all right, evangelical Christians. So how do you do that? How do you go to church, an evangelical church, a church where the pastor probably preaches from the Bible? He's either preaching, you know, out of a book of the Bible, or he's referring to the Bible as the authority for whatever the pastor might be teaching. How do you go there and be sitting there thinking, ah, that ain't true. Now this didn't happen. I guess that happens. I mean, I know that happens. And I think a lot of it is we have lost what our faith is about. We'll go through more of this and maybe bring in some people. I've got some ideas for just how to deal with these topics because I think they they matter. It's not really, you know, the purpose of our show isn't always to be teaching. There's great teaching on the station all day. And I would encourage you to to take a listen. And there's some guys on here who are really good. And you're going to you're going to just be enriched by listening to this station. You ever listen to Alistair Begg? That guy's amazing. And he's got a great accent. You you will pay close attention to his preaching. Uh, you will learn a lot. It is worth it to, you know, take a little break from the Netflix or take a little break from the social media. Take a break from whatever it is and get some good teaching. And on our show, you can call us about it. We'll talk about it and we'll make it very practical. That's what we try to do. We take the issues of the day and we say, okay, we've got all this teaching all day. How do we apply this to the stuff that's in the news that you're watching on TV? 
And maybe more importantly, how do you apply what's happening in real life with the people in your relational world that God has placed in your life? Because this is what we are supposed to do. This is our role here. We have this, there's just something for us as believers that maybe we don't think of it that way. Maybe it's just for some of us just turning into more of a cultural thing. Maybe we've been discouraged because of failures at church or because of, you know, an overemphasis of politics that does happen. And it happens on the left and the right, too. There are left-wing churches. There are right-wing churches. You can go to different churches right here in Southern California and get a completely different uh, idea of who Jesus would vote for. Um, Nobody is speaking for Jesus on that, but it is uh, you can get way off on different things. Um, and distracted by things that are really important, uh, you know, to our country or to who we are, but miss the truth of our faith. Miss the opportunity that you have to share your faith with your neighbor, your coworker, your classmate, who is really hurting, really lost, really upset about the things going on. You know, the stuff going on in the world, a recent survey said that Americans are losing sleep over the divisions in our country. Are you losing sleep over the divisions in our country? People are saying, yes, they are. That person might be sitting in the cubicle next to you. That person might be in the desk next to you. That person might be in your house. That person might, person might be living across the hall. As Christians, we've got hope. And the reason that we have hope is because when we talk about Jesus Christ dying for your sins and rising again on the third day and coming back one day and going to prepare a place for you and all these great things, we're not talking about pie-in-the-sky religious notions. We're talking about history. We're talking about what has been, what we believe has been revealed. We have the scriptures. You can look at it. You can go read it. Some of it's hard. I'm in, a, I'm in a Bible study right now where we're studying the book of Micah. You ever study the book of Micah? I think we're going to go to heaven one day, and a lot of us are going to meet Micah, and he's going to say, how'd you like my book? And you're going to say, who are you? This is a hard book because it's the sort of the end of Israel, and it's dealing with a lot of, a lot of judgment from God. But when you really study it, the interesting thing about that book is you put it into context of Syria, Assyria, and the Assyrian Empire— if you're a history person, and not everybody's a history person, but the Bible mentions historical kings, and there are records at this period of time of not just the Bible of these kings. You know, if you get before about a thousand, if you get you know, before about a thousand BC or BCE, it's always before Christ. I mean, everything's it's just ridiculous. Anyway, a thousand BC and before eh, the dates and the times and stuff. It's a, you know other than what you have in the Bible. There's not a lot, okay? There's some things written on the wall in the Egyptian tombs that we found, and there's a few things, but it's, it gets harder and harder to sort of pinpoint times and dates and stories. But after about 1000 BC in history, you can start to actually date things. You can date things to within about a year. You can verify that there are multiple different sources for different kings and different people. And if you're in that book of Micah, you're talking about uh, kings like a guy named Tiglath-Pileser. There's three of those guys and a uh, hyphenated name. I don't know what the deal was with that, uh, but they're brutal, brutal leaders. Uh, Sennacherib, there's a, he wrote down his story of why he didn't attack Jerusalem. And you just got to say in, uh, in the Bible, he didn't attack Jerusalem because God uh, saved uh, Hezekiah because Hezekiah eventually put his faith in God and God uh, 
uh, wiped out all of those troops. For some reason in history, Sennacherib, who attacked all these places, he doesn't attack Jerusalem, and he just says everybody got tired of it. Uh, some historians think that everybody got cholera, and they went home sick or died. Uh, all of those things connect with the biblical story. You can find it, and it becomes very, very interesting. And what I'm saying here is that your faith is rooted not just in historical events, but your faith, Christian faith, is rooted in a logic, a logic that says, hey, if God is communicating with us this way, if this is true, then these things have to fit, and they do. And it can be it can be very frightening in some ways, not in a bad way. It's a bad way if you don't believe, but in a really good way, sort of frightening, fear of God kind of frightening, to say, wow, that's pretty remarkable. Book of Daniel, you know, and what it says about world history and where we're going and where we're at. If you really study that and get into it in a way that's some of that book is really hard, but if you get into Daniel chapter 9, it probably tells you to the day, either the birth of Christ or the crucifixion of Christ, to the day. No joke. And people will argue about whether or not it is written after the time of Daniel or after the time of those events because it's so accurate. And the reality is in in everything that people have found in history, nobody predicts the future. It doesn't happen except in your Scripture. And the only way to refute some of Scripture is to claim that it's fraudulent because how else could it be right? It's amazing. And that's where you get the Dead Sea Scrolls and some other things where you get older copies that we know are older and you go, huh, guess this was written before the time. It is incredible. Can I encourage you to have confidence in your faith that if you're having doubts, if you weren't sure, to study it. And don't be afraid to study some doctrine and theology. Those things give you confidence. And you are smart enough. You don't need to go to seminary. Some of it's hard, but most of it is actually not that complicated. Study it. Get a book. Ask your pastor for a book. Ask your, you know, go and and figure out, you know, why does A plus B equal C? Why are these conclusions made? Why is there a trinity? That'll bring you throughout the whole scripture when you answer that question. Your faith will be strengthened. You will be a better testimony to your friends and coworkers that have been put in your life for these reasons. Go ahead and do that. Hey, friends, when we come back, we're going to uh, take a break, and we've got a guest with us when we come back. Steve Wilburn from Core Church is with us, Core Church Los Angeles. We're excited to hear what he has to say. We're going to talk about some financial matters. If you're like me, you've had debt and some other problems. It's going to be very practical, and he's going to give you an opportunity to get some help with that, and that matters greatly. I also want to uh, guide you to, if you're living in the Los Angeles area, we have a health fair that KKLA, 99.5 KKLA, is promoting. It's this weekend, September 24th, from 9 to 1 p.m. It's in Pasadena at uh, Pasadena Nazarene, Paznaz, as it's called, and uh, Pasadena First Church of the Nazarene, uh, from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m., September 24th. I encourage you to be there. There's a lot there about health care, how to deal with insurance. There's some uh, free testing, some senior care, women's health, men's health, lots of different things, and I want to encourage you to go to that. You can go to kkla.com, click on the health fair banner to learn more. I'm Scott Furrow. This is Southern California Live. I'll be back as the Tuesday edition continues. Stay tuned. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow on 99.5 KKLA. Join the conversation now by texting Scott in the SoCal Live studio at 213 213- 
537-3812. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. Good to be with you today from 3 to 5 each and every day like we are together. Right now, I have a guest in the studio. It's Pastor Steve Wilburn, and you know Pastor Steve. He's the senior pastor of Core of uh, Core Church in Los Angeles, and he's on KKLA every evening, shortly after this program at 5.30 yes. to 6 every single day. Welcome, Steve. Well, you know, Scott, so glad to be on your program once again, you yeah. know, and congratulations. You've been doing a great job. I listen to you often, so... Thank you. Thank you. Well, we're having a great time, and I listen to you on the way home, so uh, how <laughs> Well, there about you that? go. It's a payback, you <laughs> it know? It is. It is. It is. Well, it's great to have you. It's great to be here with you today. You know, one of the subjects that is, it's a huge subject, and we've been talking a lot on this show about inflation and how it's affecting people and how it's real. You know, uh, highest inflation on food, basic items in it's insane. It's insane. Yeah. It, I, I'm going, I'm, I'm at Costco the other day and I've been buying the, like the big box of oatmeal, right? It's been like eight ninety five forever. For years. For years. Oh, yeah, okay. Eight ninety five for the big, you get like two packages in there, you know, whatever. It's twelve ninety five. It didn't go up like a dollar. It didn't right. go up like two. Like it went up four bucks. I'm like, is this pesos? Is this yen? No, this is American dollars. Twelve ninety five. I'm just like going. This is crazy. I've watched that same kind of thing. Must be a pastor thing to go to Costco. You get a relationship oh, with the absolutely. And you know. You get... Oh yeah, yeah. I scarf the whole time. I'm like I'm like grazing as I eat. you know I'm just eating everything inside. I find that out. Maybe that's a good way to save some money. You can oh, just, instead of going out to lunch, just go to Costco. Oh, that's what I do. If it's before a good holiday, you get ham and potatoes and dessert and a vegetable whole meal. Oh, exactly. And I I double dip. I'm just letting you know. I mean, I if something's good, I, I go back yeah. again. And again. Yes. My problem is, is that I'll do that and then, then I'll be convinced and I'll buy it. Well, right? that's true. Well, that's, well, that's what they want you to do. So that's, it, yeah, it, it I guess works. that's okay. But then I go home with a vat of uh, hummus and my wife's like, this was not on the list. Yeah. It's, it's a win-win situation. And that hummus used to be five ninety five. Now it's twelve ninety five. right? Oh, it's, it's crazy. crazy. Yeah. So it's a big deal. It's a big deal for every person and everybody's affected by it. And the yeah. thing is, is that the, the poorer you are, the more you're, you're feeling it. Yeah. But there's also something that I think is is true, and I know that that you know this, and we probably deal with it all the time. For for some of us, the reason we're feeling it so badly is because we're not really managing our our finances, what we've been given that well. Yeah. You know, I was talking the other day about how somebody came to the church for they wanted help with her rent, and we always say, okay, we'll do that, but we're first going to figure out where the money's going. Exactly. And she was spending $700 a month at Starbucks and uh, going out to eat. And that was what her rent was. Her portion of, she was single, it was a portion of her rent, 700 bucks a month. You're like, no, actually, we're not going to help you with that, but we're going to save you $700 a month. Yeah. Well, we do the same thing, Scott, at Core Church. You know, people come in and we just don't hand money out because it's like, what has got you into the position where you are today? And if we help with the rent today, is that just putting a Band-Aid on the real problem? That's right. And so that's why we've decided to do an event at Core Church Los Angeles. This has actually been on my heart for quite a while. And when they approached me here at KKLA about this, it was something that really spoke to my heart. Because I understand financial management from a personal standpoint. Because when me and my wife uh, first got married decades ago, we been married 43 years it's like but i just want to point out i'm still in good shape okay you know i live in california they let you get married in kindergarten here but anyway you know anything flies but i remember i was always making tons of money because i was working in construction i was just making all kinds of money 
but I didn't have any money to show for it. Mm. I was a really poor steward of my finances. So we moved back east to serve the Lord to help start a church. And, oh, my goodness, we went just crashed and burned like it was like mayday, mayday, because I had no budget, no anything. And all of a sudden, we're living in a very expensive area right outside of Washington, D.C., and I was making half the money I was making here. And so we literally went into the financial woodshed, as I say, and we had to get disciplined on management of our money because I was a horrible manager of God's money. We have Mm. to understand that everything that we have is a gift from God, even the gift that enables us to work. You know, people have intellect, they have the ability, they have skill, they have all of these things. Well, what, did you decide in the womb that you were going to have an intellect to do what you do today? I mean, God gave us that. I, I used to lay hardwood floors for a living, and I became really good at what I did. But how did I become that craftsman? It was because God gave me the ability, the know-how. I was always praying. I was a believer when I was working in construction, and I was always asking God to help me. And I learned so many things by being a Christian. Like, I believe that the Christian should be the highest paid person at every job. Why? Mm. Because you're not calling in sick when you're not sick. <laughs> you're that's, not yeah. <laughs> That's the way it should be, right? That's the way it should like, be. Employers should be going, I want to hire that Christian person, exactly. even if I'm not too sure about their Jesus, but they're that, honest. They don't call in sick when they're not sick. That's right. They work hard. They work their time. That's That should be our testimony at work. Exactly. And so if I have a Christian working at a place and they come to me and it's like, everyone's getting promoted, but me, everyone's getting, it's like, well, I have to ask you, well, what kind of a worker are you? Are you outworking everyone? Mm. I came on early on in my life as a Christian to you know Colossians three seventeen three twenty three that says, "Do everything you do as hardly as under the Lord." Yeah, and so I always worked. I figured in construction, there's so many people that cut corners. Like, hey, they don't build houses like they used to back in the day. I didn't want to be that guy. So I did the highest quality workmanship. I learned how to do it right first, and then speed came later. Instead yes. of trying to do it fast first. I had the least amount of repair work out of everyone at our company. Uh, I made the most money. I was working in construction back in the early 80s, and I was in the union. So you made union scale. That's what union scale was. But my boss was paying me $4 an hour over union scale. Yeah. And it's like, how do you get that? It's like, well, I went in and asked for a raise because I was doing so much more than everyone else. And he recognized it because every work order that everyone did, there was a percentage in the bottom right corner. It was like, what's the percentage of profit we made on this job? Every work order. The boss looked at everyone. I had, out of 130 installers, I had the highest percentage of everyone. So when I went in to get a raise, I was only thinking like, hey, maybe he'll pay me a dollar an hour over scale. But he gave me a $4 an hour over scale. So... Everything that I've done from selling construction equipment to what have you, I was always making the most because I outworked everyone. But see, that should be the Christian's attitude. Right. You know, and I think I think this is important in an era that we're losing our work ethic. You know, the the kids today, one of the big things, it's called quietly quitting. That's you know, right. What this is. We yep. had a we had that as a subject a couple of weeks ago and lots of young people called. And the idea of quietly quitting is basically saying I'm going to work the least amount that I really need to. That's right. And there, you know, behind it, some people are saying, well, I want to spend more time with my family. And do, there's some attitude that's like, okay, you got to have the right balance. But an awful lot of it is, hey, I'm just not going to work hard. I'm going to do the minimum. The reason it's called quitting 
That's not right. quietly succeeding. It's not quietly that's working right. diligently. It's quietly quitting. It's, I'm going to do as little as possible. And that's becoming the work ethic. Employers know it. And it's bad. It's really bad. I remember when I was uh, running uh, an equipment division, we were uh, number one in sales uh, for skid steer loaders, number one in sales for uh, air compressors, and number two for shooting boom forklifts in all of North America. I had 30 people working for me. And I remember this one guy I was firing, and he said to me, you can't fire me. And I said, well, why is that? He said, because you're a Christian. I said, it's because I'm a Christian I'm firing you because you don't work. I need people that will work, and you Mm. don't. And so this is why we're doing this event at Core Church Los Angeles. We're going to do it on October 1st. It's from 10 o'clock to 12 o'clock. And we're calling it the discipline of money management. And, you know, we're going to be looking at disciplining ourselves in what God has given to us because we are stewards of everything that God gave us and gives us. And so when I was in that woodshed that I was talking about earlier back east, I was there for three and a half years, and we were down to where we were praying because we didn't have enough money for food, for groceries. We would actually find food on our doorstep after praying. But the Lord took us down to next to nothing. We were buying clothes for our kids at the thrift store. Hmm. But when we learned, I chopped up all the credit cards, no more buying things on time. We came down to a point where if we're going to buy something, we're going to pay cash for it. And so we would pray about every purchase. And then that's when the Lord brought back. And then I got a new job. That's where I started making more money I ever made in my life. But we never changed the disciplines that we learned there, that we would have maybe a car payment and a house payment. But out of that, We would not put anything on a credit card that we didn't pay off at the end of the month. And we just started living in this way. So then when I started making tons of money when I was uh, the equipment manager, it's like I never changed the way that I was living. And we always put the Lord first in our tithes and our offerings. And you realize with God, it's like, you know, people will talk about tithing at a church and everything, but it's like people will say, well, we can't afford to tithe. And I just say... You can't afford not to tithe, you know, it's like because you can never outgive God. And it's not that God needs our money, because when I first learned about Mm, tithing, I'm thinking, well, that's not going to happen. I'm not giving 10 percent. But then I realized God doesn't need our money. And it's really about discipline and it's about obedience to the Lord. So in this event here, Scott, what we want to do is we want to talk about different subjects. You know, we're going to talk about the pros and cons of buying versus renting. Like which one's better? Well, it all depends. We're going to look at the pros and cons of that. We're going to look at how to invest. Should we invest? Should we have savings, bonds, all these kinds of things? What is the best way to do this? We're going to also look at responsibilities of biblical stewardship with our finances. You know, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes 11.2, divide your portion to seven or even to eight, for you do not know what misfortune may occur on the earth. So we shouldn't have all of our eggs in one basket. So we're going to look at a a plethora of things. A whole bunch of things. Now, we're going to take a little break. We'll come back. We'll talk about it. But this is going to be coming up here very shortly at Court Church Los Angeles. It's a free seminar that uh, KKLA is putting on Saturday, October 1st. Doors open at 9 o'clock. Go to kkla.com to learn more. And and, uh, it's called the Disciplines of Financial Management Seminar. And uh, go to kkla.com and click the banner for that. I'll be right back with Pastor Steve Wilburn when we return. This is Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. We'll be right back. 
Too nervous to go live on the radio with Scott Furrow? Then share your thoughts on the SoCal Live voicemail at 213-537-3812. That's 213-537-3812. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. I am Scott Furrow. I'm with Steve Wilburn, pastor of Core Church Los Angeles. And we are talking about financial management and how important it is for Christians to get a hold of this. And you know what? I know that many of you, and I'm going to say at least 70%, I think is the statistic, you are in debt to Visa and MasterCard, and you owe them your life. Maybe you haven't realized that yet. And I've been there before, and I know, Pastor Steve, you've been there before. Oh, buried. And when the Bible says that the debtor is slave to the lender, that's true. I've lost years of my life, I think, because of the stress, that debt that I one time had, which I no longer have. And it's part of my my testimony and failures, but I had to really trust God and buckle down and do really hard things and drive a really crummy car and do a whole lot of stuff to get out of it. But I want you to know that you can get out of it and that the burden and the stress that's on you is is something that the Lord wants to take away, but he wants you to trust him and do what you're called to do. Steve, you know, when you think about it, we were talking about tithing a minute ago and people struggle with that and struggle with giving. A big part of it is that they owe too much money. That's right. And it comes down to you spend more money than you make. And that's just the bottom line. That's what I used to do. I'm sure that's what you used to do. You you yeah. make more. And, and of course, the credit card companies know this. And that's why they make the accessibility to credit cards so easy. You I got it just, in college, right? And yep. I'd fill out the credit card form and I got free water bottles and free t-shirts and all kinds of free cool stuff. That's right. And, uh, you know, didn't really think about it until I was in trouble. Yeah. And what people don't realize is the interest rate on... Oh credit cards is probably averaging 27 to 30% right now, maybe even more. Uh, that's an unbelievable amount of interest. And so what ends up happening is, you know, you ring up always more than what you thought. Like, it's almost like after Christmas, you're thinking like, oh, I spent $2,000 and you realize, oh no, you spent $4,500 or you know, right. whatever. It's like you spent double what you thought or you're on vacation and you're just throwing the card out and you're thinking, yeah, I think we put about probably 1800 bucks on our credit card. No, you put 30 Six hundred dollars on your credit card, at least. Yeah, and so you're just like, oh my goodness. So then you get the bill, and the bill is your payment is you know four hundred and eighty dollars or whatever, but you can make a minimum payment of ninety three dollars. Yeah, right. And what they don't tell you are twenty six dollars or twelve dollars. You know, and now they have to put it on there. But if you continue to pay the minimum payment, it'll be six hundred and ninety three years before this is paid off. Meaning literally, like like, you're not even exaggerating. You will never pay it. You will never pay it off. It's almost like the, you know, our deficit here, you know, the debt, I should say, you know, we have a $31 trillion debt in America. They said that that's every single human being in America. We're not counting all the ones that got in for free here uh, and a border, but that's a whole nother subject. But it's like every child. Yeah, I have, I have 11 grandkids. It's like they all owe $97,000. Like, like it's a debt that will never pay off. So when you, you have credit cards and you have them rung up to the moon, it's almost like the same thing. It's like, how could I ever pay this off? And so I was in that position. So this is what I did. Number one thing you have to do with a credit card debt is you have to stop spending. Yes. Like, like you just have to stop. And so we went on a moratorium. I told my wife, we can't go out to eat. We can't, we're not going out to eat. We tore up the credit cards and that's it. So you have to start attacking these things. Now, now there's some 
kind of cool creative ways that you can help get out. Like number one is there's a ton of different credit cards out there and many of them will give you 0% interest for the first 12 months. (laughs) So when you're paying 30% on one, you need to like get this other credit card and transfer that amount, which they allow you to transfer if it's with a different company. Right. You know, like I have a Southwest credit card, a United credit card and you know, Marriott credit card, but they're all through the same bank. So you got to get a different bank, you know, but when they give that 12%, man, you got to jump over to the 0%. But I want you to know, Scott, I haven't paid any credit. I mean, any interest, let me say, no interest on a credit card for the last 35 years. Oh, that's great. That's how long it's been. Right. No interest whatsoever. Now I use credit cards all the time. I use them every single day, but I never, ever not pay them off at the end of the month. So that means I keep a rally. Mm-hmm. I keep a a, a, a a number in my head, and I know what it's going to be every month. And I, I'm very disciplined to <laughs> yeah. that. And so I always pay it off. I do the same thing, but the way I make sure that I do it is I go online and I I pay it twice a month just in case I forget. Yes. Right? So I'll pay yes. it on the 30th and I pay it on the 15th every month, whatever the balance is, the whole That's thing. That's right. And the thing is, is that if you can't do it, then you're spending too much. That's right. If you can't do it or you're afraid you can't do it, you're spending too much. Yes. And uh, I think we were talking, uh, you know, at halftime there, and you were just saying how, uh, no, actually you did it in the last segment. You were talking about the gal that came in to yeah. the church. and 700 needed, bucks a month. Yeah, 700 bucks a month. You don't realize how much those coffees, you know, like you go in for a tall, you know, latte and it's, you know, it's five, six bucks. Yeah. And it's like, you're doing that every day. Okay. So that's all, but I only do it when I'm going to work. Okay. So that's $30 a week. Every week. Times 4.3 weeks in a month. Okay. So it's 130 bucks a month. Like there's $130 for your latte. And then you start thinking like, well, I go out to get lunch every day. Okay. Well, you, it's pretty hard to even eat anywhere, you know, in and out, Taco Bell, whatever, you're going to spend 10 bucks to 12 bucks times five is $55, $60 a week times 4.3 weeks is it's almost 200 bucks. It's very expensive. So see, we only have a couple of minutes left here and, you know, people are hearing this and, you know, when I was in this situation, this conversation gets overwhelming because I knew I was in trouble. Yes. There's help. There's help. There is help. We're That's here right. to help you. And That's right. I want to tell you about that. Steve's going to tell you about that because at Core Church Los Angeles coming up here in just a couple of weeks, there's an opportunity for help. It's free. And uh, Steve, tell us about that, how people can be yes. involved in what we're going to do for people. Well, it's called the Discipline of Money Management. It's going to happen on Saturday. So that's just right around the corner here, Saturday, October 1st. Uh, doors open at 9. It'll, it'll, the event is 10 to 12, 10 o'clock to 12 o'clock. We have multiple speakers talking again on the discipline of money management. It's discipline. It's getting started. And it's like, where do I start? You could be totally overwhelmed. I get it. But you got to start somewhere. Yeah. I mean, why don't you come out? It doesn't cost you anything. We're not charging you. We want to help you. We're going to give you stewardship tactics on managing. And if you don't start now, then when are you ever going to start? That's right. Don't be embarrassed. That's right. Don't be embarrassed. Most people, almost everybody, even people who are really wealthy, they're in the same predicament you're in because we all tend to overspend. That's right. All of us do that. So please join me October 1st. It's going to be on a Saturday morning from 10 o'clock to 12 o'clock. Come out for, again, learning, stewardship, the tactics. You are going to be talking about the biblical disciplines of stewardship 
in our finances. We're going to talk about car loans. Like, it's not just about buying a car. It's not about just how much the car costs. It's like, well, what's the finance rate? You know, it's like, it's not like, well, I'm going to buy this payment. No, don't ever buy a car on a payment because they'll just add another year or two to the length of the loan. It's like, these are things you have to think about. So you could say, well, I got the car that I wanted for $300 a month. Well, it's for 25 years, okay? So so you have to go into it with like, I'm going to buy this much purchase price at this interest rate, which is going to put me at this payment for only so long. These are the things that we want to talk about to help you and encourage you as believers in Christ. And it's really about help. And, and you know, both of us, Steve and I sitting here, we've had our own personal issues in this in the past. We got past it. I think we're great people to talk about it. I'm going to be there. There's going to be some other people sharing. Yep. And uh, you know what? I know. I used to play all kinds of games. You know, I would draw a line through all the numbers in the bottom of my check because I knew it took an extra day for that to go through the bank back in the day. And uh, I'd pay off one credit card with another. And it was horrible. It was a horrible way of life. And uh, the Lord convicted me and hammered me pretty good to get out of it. But I am, and I'll tell you what, it is the greatest thing. It's the greatest thing because, uh, you know, as a pastor of a church, uh, number one counseling in most churches is marriage counseling. Mm -hmm. Number one issue in marriage counseling is finances. And just think if you alleviate that problem of just the financial burden and living as a wise steward. And let me tell you, when you decide to say, God, I want to do things your way. I want to be a wise steward of the finances that you give me. I am a steward over all of this. And you become a wise steward for the Lord. He will bless us and he will help you get out of the financial hole. I used to say, man, I'm like in quicksand. People would say, there's no quicksand in California. Well, congratulate me because I found some. It's financial quicksand. (laughs) We want to get you out of that. So please come out October 1st, Saturday morning, 10 to 12, for our Disciplines of Money Management at Core Church, Los Angeles. And to sign up, it's absolutely free. Go to kkla.com, kkla.com. Just click the Disciplines of Financial Management uh, banner. It's right there on the front. It's uh, from 10 to 12, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. and uh, sponsored by Gold Financial Group. Um, And the doors open at 9. It's going to be a good time. We're going to have a nice time together, and I look forward to seeing you. Pastor Steve, thank you for being here. Hey, God bless you, Scott, and I knew I'd get you at our church somehow, somewhere. I'm so excited to be there. I really am. Everybody, thanks for listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. Thank you, Steve Wilburn, for being here. By the way, Steve will be on this station, KKLA, at 5.30 today, so check him out there. God bless you, everybody. Thanks for listening to Southern California Live. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.